Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start a new series called Stay Positive. Now, there's a church down in Oklahoma called Life Church, and they're uh, extremely generous if you use the YouVersion Bible app. They're the church that provide that. And they have, of course, a huge church, have a huge art department. And so when they're done with this series, they make it available for pastors all over the world to use. And so I love their graphics and their videos. So we got some ideas from these guys. We're going to use some of these. And uh, I got this cute little video that's going to, we're going to share here in just a moment. I hate saying cute, but it's a cute video. And uh, especially on Father's Day, you don't say cute. But uh, it's a great video. So I'll show you that here in a moment. Uh, but also what we're going to do throughout this series, this is, we're just going to talk about biblical reasons we have to have hope. Because how many of you know this culture right now, the, the world that we're in is lacking in hope. We're lacking hope. And there's lots of reasons to worry. Uh, I know we were driving. Amy and I had to go to Omaha a couple weeks ago to do a wedding. And I was listening to Fox News and... <laughs> She's like, would you please turn that off? He's like, I'm getting depressed just listening to it. And so it's easy to feel hopeless right now. So these next few weeks, we're going to look at reasons we have to be hopeful, reasons we have to have a positive outlook. And then after service, each Sunday, I'm going to throw a couple little uh, pictures up on our church Facebook page. I'll also go to our church Instagram page with some quotes from the service. And I hope you share those because we want to get people talking about hope. And so I would love for you to share that and just get some of those conversations going with some of your friends. So here's just a little video to kind of intro what we're going to do. (laughs) When your car is broken too, there's only one thing you want to do. Open your mouth and let it spew But I am telling you, stay positive When you're baking a cake for your family And your kids are hopped up on caffeine Your fluffy cake is now kind of lean Remember, don't be mean, stay positive bank account is close to red you want to cry yourself to bed it could be worse you could be dead remember what i said stay positive have to be positive now we know that jesus said in this world we will have what trouble but he said take heart because i have overcome the world so I'm not saying that we're not going to have problems because we will. You will. We will have more. You've had them in the past. We'll have more. But we have reasons to have hope. If you look in your Bibles in Romans chapter 8, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, if you hit that little events tab, the little more menu and then events, all the notes are there for you. But Romans chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is in the New Living Translation. Paul says this. Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes what? Everything. What's that word? 
everything. God causes everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I'm going to say that one more time. We know that God causes what? Everything to work together for the good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So when Paul says he causes everything to work for good, what does that mean? Everything. It's not a trick question. (laughs) Everything. But what does everything mean? It means everything good and also everything hard or bad or difficult. And if I went around the room and said, hey, how many of you have ever been through a difficulty that turned out to work for good later? I'm sure all of us would raise our hand because even those hard things can cause things to happen for good. Now, I love listening to Dave Ramsey, his show on the radio. And Dave Ramsey has this little saying. He says, some of you have Eeyore as your spirit animal. You know, he says that sometimes everything we're just like, oh. Do you ever remember Eeyore, the donkey with the tail? And he was always like, okay, it's going to be bad. This is going to be terrible. And, And some of us have that natural tendency, don't we? I'm a worrier by nature. You know, I just, I worry about stuff all the time. Amy has to say, would you just stop? You know, would you just quit worrying? It's going to be okay. I inherited that gene from my parents who were farmers, grandparents who were farmers. You know, farmers worry. And so I have to say this word, this verse to myself over and over and over again. This is going to be okay because Jesus is in control. Because God's going to cause everything to work for good, right? And so today we're going to look at some reasons to stay optimistic. Now, Optimism means having a positive outlook, meaning believing that everything's going to work out okay. Now, as Christians, we have another option. We have biblical optimism. So we're going to define biblical optimism a little bit here. And so before we do that, let's look at what biblical optimism is not. What is biblical optimism not? It's not denying reality. Biblical optimism is not saying, you know, gas prices are really high right now. You know, we budget so much money each week for gas, and my truck loves gas. I have a pickup truck. It just, you know, it used to be I would put this money in, and I would get about half a tank. I got in yesterday, and my gauge barely moved. I mean, literally, I kept, I kept tapping, like, go up. So it's not denying reality. It's not denying the fact that there are issues in the supply chain, right? You can't get stuff right now. Try to buy a bicycle for your kid lately? They're not around. It's crazy. So peanut butter, that should be, there should be like storehouses of peanut butter for national emergencies like there is for gas. You can't buy peanut butter. There's like a salmonella thing, I think. And that is a tragedy, I promise. It, yeah, peanut butter is good on everything. Try it on a hamburger. It's amazing. Yeah, seriously. It's protein, protein. It's, it's healthy. And if you put bacon on it, it's even better. So... <laughs> Now I'm hungry. I can't eat. All right. So there's a restaurant that has a peanut butter and jelly burger around here. It's incredible. Peanut butter, grape jelly, bacon, and jalapenos. It's insanely good. Now you're all thinking about that. All right. Back to the word. All right. So it's not denying reality. It's not putting our heads in the sand and saying everything's going to be okay. It's not. That's not biblical optimism. All right. It's not saying, well, let's just throw positive vibes out there and rub our salt lamp and everything will be okay. No, that's not. Biblical optimism is this. I love this line. Uh, Craig Rochelle, pastor, said this. Biblical optimism is the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. 
It's the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. Where does that come from? Romans 8, 28. That, so I have optimism. I can have hope because I know that Jesus is working all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And who's, who's called according to his purpose? All of us. Because he has a plan for all of us. He loves all of us. So it's knowing that everything's going to work out because he's working on it. And he's way bigger than I am. He's way bigger. He's not forgotten us. He hasn't lost control. He hasn't quit working. He's still there. He's still working. So we have hope. Because Jesus is there and he's working on it, we have hope. We can have optimism. And so it's the belief also that negative situations can bring about a positive purpose. Negative situations can bring about a positive purpose. If you've ever exercised, you know that the next day, what happens? You're sore. You're in pain. Right? But then what's happening? Your muscles are building. They're getting stronger. Right? Taking classes, going to high school, going to college, it's not fun for the most part. But what's happening? You're getting smarter. It's a dadism. You're building character. Right? Getting chased around your yard by a snake, you're building character, right? Or a bird, right? We had an aggressive bird in our backyard yesterday chasing my son, asking him about it. It was fun. It was building character, right? So Paul says that God is working all things together for the good, for his purposes. And guys, all through Scripture, if you take your word, take God's word, your copy of God's word, and you read it, all throughout Scripture, you're going to see people who went through hard times but came out stronger, now, here's the thing, guys. Paul, the author who wrote the book of Romans, we're going to look at a lot of Romans today. The guy who wrote the book of Romans had a lot of difficulties. You read, he says, I've been there. He says, I've been stoned. I've been left for dead, beaten. I've been shipwrecked, bitten by snakes. I mean, he was in prison. But Paul said, all things work together for the good. So we understand that biblical optimism is believing that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. We can have hope because we know that Jesus is working on it. But here's the thing, guys. Biblical optimism involves guarding our thoughts. If you want to be biblically optimistic, we have to guard our thoughts. That means we have to limit our intake of things. If you watch CNN or Fox News or any of those all day, what's going to happen? You're going to go, like, build a zombie barricade and stay there, right? Because everything, there's always something. Remember murder hornets last year? <laughs> we were afraid to walk outside because we were going to get stung by murder hornets. Now it's the monkey something, monkey pox, monkey flu, I don't know. Next, monkeys are going to invade the country and attack us, you know. I mean, it's, there's always something. Why? Because they make money off of us being scared. So we have to guard our thoughts, guard our minds. Because here's the thing, guys. Our lives move in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. Our lives move in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. What I think about is what I eventually do. The way I think directs my life. And we see this. We know people who are constantly negative, right? Constantly. And so we say stuff like, life's always going to be hard. It's Eeyore, Right? We're never going to get back to normal. I'm always going to be broke. I'm never going to find anybody who loves me. Why? Because we think those things. And when we think those things, life happens. There's this thing called a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
If I'm playing softball in a church softball league and I get up there and I say, I'm going to strike out, I'm going to strike out, guess what's going to happen? I'm probably going to strike out, right? <laughs> I'm going to hurt my back swinging at a pitch I shouldn't have swung at, right? Not that I ever do that, but it happens, right? So if I think that stuff, it's going to happen. And we create these self-fulfilling prophecies. There's a, I was actually reading a study the other day by the Sage Neuroscience Center. And they were saying, basically, when I have these negative thoughts over and over again, it creates a pattern. And they said that pattern, this is psychologists saying this. They said, more specifically, the term refers to insecure, self-destructive, or nihilistic thinking that leads people to hold harmful, false belief about themselves and their place in this world. And this causes things such as depression and anxiety. So they're saying, if I keep thinking negative thoughts over and over again, guess what happens? I start to create negative things in my life, right? If I think nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, I'm going to destroy relationships. And so we have to guard our minds and guard our thoughts. Have you ever tried to reason with someone who makes decisions based on feelings? It is impossible to reason with them. We go, well, that's how I feel. But I'm showing you facts that say otherwise. I'll give you an example. You ever have, do you have a spouse that's cold all the time? They can't. I'm feeling the stares from the women in the room. I have people in my house come say, Dad, it's freezing in here. The thermostat is exactly the same as it was 10 minutes ago. Well, I was hot then. You're feeling that. Go put on a sweater, right? I mean, it's just go out, stand outside. It's 100 degrees and come back in. It's going to feel really good, right? I'm going to turn into DHS one of these days for that. And so, well, people will make decisions based on the way they feel, not based on what's actual or what's biblical. And so, guys, so many of us live our lives thinking nobody loves me. Nothing good is going to come my way. And we think those things over and over again, and we start to create that in our lives. So we can change our lives by changing our thinking. We can honestly change our lives by guarding our minds and changing the way we think. Well, pastor, where in the world do you get that? From Romans. Look at Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bibles there, it'll also be on the screen. Romans chapter 12. And guys, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a verse I say to myself all the time. I repeat this all the time in my own life. Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, Paul says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now look what he says in verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God do what? Transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Think about that for a minute. Let him transform you into a new person by changing the way that you what? Think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we say all the time, I want to know what God has for me. I want to know God's plan for my life. Then change the way that you think. And how do we change the way that we think? We guard our minds and we put in more positive than we do negative, right? We put in God's word instead of the news. I mean, I'm not saying don't watch the news. You need to know what's happening. All right. But we need to balance what we do. We need to guard our minds and guard our hearts. So 
When we get into God's Word and we start focusing on those positive things, it changes the way we think, which in turn changes the way that we live. So we change our thinking by feeding faith and starving negativity. We feed faith and we start negativity. How do we do that? We read the Word. We spend time in God's Word. And, to, and I'm not saying you have to take hours every day and study the Word, but start small. Start with five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, and change what we put in. There's a lot of great Christian music we can listen to as opposed to other things, right? Because how many of you know songs get stuck in your head? <laughs> we'll go to like a hockey game, and they'll play music from the 80s. I can quote every word of that song. The 80s were a great decade, I mean, really. But I can quote, and the kids are like, have you listened to that recently? No, not since I was like 17 years old. But it's stored somewhere in here. I can't remember where I parked my car, but I can remember the line to a Gloria Estefan song from the 80s. I have no idea how that works. If I can remove that and put, you know, important things in, right? Like my passwords, right? I will get to the fire hall some days and stare at the keypad, and I can't remember what I'm supposed to do. I have to have it in my phone. I put the safe combination from the church in there, and it doesn't work. So we, but it works. So we need to, you can memorize scripture. You can actually listen to the Bible. Did you know that? The Version Bible app, that free Bible app, it will read the Bible to you through your car radio, through your headphones. You can do that. You can listen to that. We can put verses in our brain. Instead of worrying about the economy, worrying about schools, worrying about violence, we can listen to things like Romans 8.1, where Paul says there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Romans 8.18, listen to this. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later. So all this stuff we're going through now, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, there are things going on. Yeah, there might be a recession. Home values may go down. Interest rates are going to go up. You're going to get bad drivers in front of you all the time. That stuff happens. But those things we suffer now are nothing compared to what God has in store for us in heaven. All right? So we can believe the better days are coming. So... Biblical optimism is believing that God is working all things together, the good and the bad, for our future good. And it also means that being optimistic means I have to guard my brain, which in turn helps me guard my heart, right? Maybe changing the things I listen to, changing the things I watch, changing the things I read. Okay? I guard my heart. I guard my mind. I put more in. I I feed faith and I starve negativity. And then lastly, I build godly confidence. If we want biblical optimism, we have to build godly confidence. This is not self-confidence. This is a huge difference, guys. Biblical optimism is not self-confidence. It's godly confidence. And what is that? It means that I believe that I understand that today's struggles build godly confidence for tomorrow. There's a great story in the Old Testament about a guy named Joseph. Joseph, God gave Joseph a dream that someday he would rule over his 12 brothers and his parents. You know, he would be in charge of things. And they said, oh, yeah, I'll show you. And they threw him in a well, sold him to slaves. He ended up in prison. Well, first he ended up as a slave. Then his master's wife hit on him and he left and she accused him of stuff. Then he got thrown in prison. So instead of being in charge, he ended up in prison. But what did Joseph do? Did he sit around and be Eeyore? And I like Eeyore. I'm not picking on Eeyore. You know, it's just his character. But, oh, everything works for the bad. 
I've got holes in my socks. Uh, you know, he didn't. Instead, he worked and he built what? Godly confidence. And then when he became second in command of all Egypt, he was ready. Because he believed all the stuff he suffered was building him for what God had for him next. And so guys, when we go through hardships, we have these things. We can believe that God has the strength to carry us through. In Matthew 19, 26, disciples are asking Jesus how they could be saved. And he says that humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 11. Paul, the guy who wrote this, who said, I believe that all things work together for the good, right? He said, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. What is every situation? Good or difficult. Good or bad. Easy or difficult. Lots or little. He says, I've learned it because whether it's on a full stomach or empty with plenty or little, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, through Christ who gives me strength. He had confidence that he could do everything through Christ that God called him to do, that he could go through every situation that God allowed to happen in his life because of Christ. He says, I can do everything. Now we, we take this a little bit out of context, don't we? I can, I can do this. I can do this through Christ. Yes, we can. But what Paul is saying is I can make it through every circumstance. I can trust that God has everything under control and he's going to work everything out for my eventual good because of his strength in me. He had confidence that God would produce good through the problems. And we understand that we're never alone in our suffering. We understand that we're never alone. He's never left us. Even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, listen to what Paul says later on in chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This is the one we read at funerals a lot in difficult times, but he says this in verse 30. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Hmm. Isn't that something? Nothing can separate us. Neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, neither Democrats nor Republicans, right? Neither fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is saying nothing we go through will ever separate us from God's love for us. And guys, so many times when bad things happen to us, we think what? God has forgotten me. God has deserted me. Why is this happening? Why is my kid acting this way? Why is my spouse acting this way? Why is my car doing this? Why is the economy doing this? Why is our leadership doing this? He said nothing that we go through can ever separate us from him. Right? None of those hardships, none of those things. So we acknowledge a hardship, but remember we have a God who is bigger than that hardship, who is working for our eventual good. Now, do I suffer sometimes consequences for my dumb decisions? Absolutely. If I go out and buy an $80,000 pickup truck that I can't afford, guess what? I'm going to have hardship, right? If I try to live outside my means, 
I'm going to have a hardship. If I can afford that truck, it's no problem. But nothing that happens separates me from his love. Nothing. Nothing. And so I understand that nothing, I'm never alone in my sufferings. And last, I understand that I can look to the future. You can look to the future. We can look to the future with optimism because we believe that God is working all things together for the good. We can look to the future with optimism, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of difficulties, because we believe that God is working all things together for good. So guys, I want to tell you, there is hardship happening in our country, right? There's economic problems, there's high fuel prices, there's division, there's gang violence. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on in our world today, but we have a God who is bigger than those issues. We have a God who says he's going to work all things together for good. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning, and if you're physically able, would you stand with me? If you're Watching online, would you change positions? If you can stand, stand. I know times are tough right now, and I know it's easy to worry. But I'm going to pray that God works in us today to build biblical optimism in us. That we wouldn't lay in bed at night worrying about things that we can't control. That we wouldn't allow stress in our marriage because of things we can't control. So, Lord, right now, we just come to you and we thank you that you're a big God who's able to handle everything. Lord, you've always been and you always will be in control. So, Lord, no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens in our homes, no matter what happens in our workplaces, no matter what's going on in the world or in our country, Lord, you are still in control. And we are so thankful for that today. And Lord, I pray that today you would build biblical optimism in each and every one of us in this room, each and every one of us watching online. Lord, that you would build our faith that you're working all things together for good. And Lord, I know that all things means good things and it means difficult things. But Lord, we trust that you're working all things together. So Lord, all across this room today, Lord, all those watching at home, I pray you would build faith. Lord, I pray that you would give us hope because you're in control. You give us hope because we trust in your goodness and we trust that we're never alone. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor X, I don't have a relationship with Christ like you're talking about. Maybe at one point I did as a kid, but I don't have a relationship with Christ. If I was to be real honest today, I would say I'm pretty far from God, but but I want to make that right today. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and help me to begin that relationship. If that's you, we just slip your hand up right where you're at. We want to pray with you today. All right, we're going to pray a prayer. And this is not some magical thing. This is just you talking to the Lord. And if you pray this prayer, the Bible says that you are made new. That he forgives all of our sins. So would you just repeat this prayer with me with those who raise their hands? Dear Jesus... Thank you so much for your incredible love for me. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying in my place. And I admit that I've sinned. I've made mistakes. Please forgive me. Come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you. 
with everything that I have. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, that you now have eternal life with Christ, that you're a new creation. All the junk is gone and you're new. And that's an incredible thing. If you prayed that prayer, would you catch me or one of the others that are up here on front uh, after service? We want to catch you. We want to give you a book. Now, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I need biblical optimism because I worry a lot. That's you. Just raise your hand. I have a lot of worries. I have a lot of stuff that, and I need that biblical optimism. If you're here today and you say, you know, I really need help guarding my thoughts because, man, my brain just gets barraged with stuff. That's you. Would you? Yeah. My hand's up. That's easy. Yeah. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to close with a song. I'm going to pray. If you want prayer for a need, you can come up to the front. Someone will meet you up here and pray. If you want to meet along with God, you can come up. You can pray in your seats. But, Lord, right now I pray for all those who raise their hands. Lord, it's so easy in this culture today to worry. And, Lord, I pray you would help us with our worries. You would help us to build that biblical optimism, to leave that worry alone, to build faith and starve negativity. Lord, would you help us today to guard our thoughts, Lord, to guard the stuff coming into our minds so that we can build that faith in you. Lord, we pray you would help us today to be optimistic and to have hope because we know that you're in control. In Jesus' name, amen.